This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Are you tired of commuting to a job that makes someone else rich? Working harder than ever, but getting nowhere? With our opportunities, you can start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss, work from home, and live a happier life. Go to Freedom350.com right now and change your life today. That's Freedom, the number, 350.com, and start earning money as soon as next week. You be the boss. Go to Freedom350.com. Hi there, it's Doc Thompson in uh, for uh, Pat and Stu along with Skip Lacombe. And I guess uh, it'd be for Pat and Jeffy. Pat and Jeffy at this point. Pat and Jeffy at this point because of uh, all the changes this week. Thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. So we got a week from Thursday. We got the first GOP uh, debate and uh, we finally have some numbers. The way it uh, shapes up, you're looking at about 10 people are going to be in the debates. And it's based on how well they, they end up polling. It's usually some sort of cumulative polling that they'll um, they'll try to decide and say, okay, we look at uh, certain big polls and then see who are the top two poll or top ten pollers. Uh, it looks like there's a couple of big people that are on the fence and may not make it in. A couple of big people like even um, Chris Christie, and by big people I mean. Hey, come on. I mean significant Gosh, people. That's geez. what I mean. No, i got to tell you, though. I mean, at this point, I'm just excited, man. This is the type of stuff that's exciting in it. I don't care about the lead-up to, oh, I am announcing, I'm going to make an announcement coming up. I'm ready for the debates, actually. Yeah, sadly, though, there's some people that I was hoping would be in the debates that look like they're not going to make it in, like Carly Fiorina. For me, personally, I want to hear what this woman is about. She is not somebody that I've ruled out yet. I would be willing to bet that most Republicans out there have ruled out a couple of people. Hey, seriously, and I really don't care what Jeb Bush has said. Who doesn't know what Jeb Bush is about? Seriously. We have a huge track record on Jeb Bush. How much crap has he said as governor? We, we have a pretty good idea what the family is like, too. I don't know if anybody knows this. We've had 12 years of Bush presidents. I don't care about him. I care about some people like Carly Fiorina. I want to hear more. Looks like she's not going to make it in. Um, I also don't care so much about uh, Mike Huckabee. Yeah. Mike Huckabee's run before. You've heard him in previous debates. He was a governor of Arkansas, for Pete's sake. I don't care about Mike Huckabee. I want to hear from some of the, the other people. Bobby Jindal looks like he's not going to make it in. Who would you rather hear about in the debates? Who would you rather hear their ideas? Bobby Jindal, Jeb Bush, Mike Huckabee. Jeb Bush, question. Mike Huckabee, or Carly Fiorina. I don't think there's a question with that. I mean, these people have already had a, a track record events with being out there of running for president before. People know what they're getting from a Mike Huckabee, or at least based off of what he says. No, it's time to get some fresh people in there. I want to see Carly, too. Now, there's a lot of people that are saying, well, maybe Donald Trump shouldn't be in the debates, but the guy's really doing well. How do you, how do you exclude him at this point? Yeah, I don't think you can. One of the, the, um, the reasons I think Donald is doing well, and this is something that people keep missing, and let me preface this by saying I am not a Donald Trump fan. I'm not a Donald Trump supporter. I don't hate the guy. I have a handful of people that are on my absolutely no way in hell. It doesn't matter if it were literally them 
and nobody else running, I will not vote for them. I simply wouldn't vote in that case. If they said it's going to cost you $40 if you don't vote for this person, I still wouldn't vote for them. They're on my hashtag not that guy list. And feel free to use that on Twitter. Hashtag not that guy. Jeb Bush. Not that guy. Under no circumstances will I vote for him. Mike Huckabee. In fact, Jeb Bush and Mike Huckabee get up every day and see if they can out-dirtbag each other. These are some of the most despicable people on the planet, so I will not vote for them. Chris Christie. Hashtag not that guy. Then there's the next tier up. People I really don't like that well. I have some problems with things they've done in the past, what they believe, their platform. That's about where Donald Trump falls. And, of course, then I have some people up from there and some people that I'm actually interested in. Well, with Donald Trump, I think one of the big problems is we still don't know who we're going to get. Now, yes, it is possible to evolve on some issues. I just don't know if he actually has evolved or if he is the Donald Trump of, of 2004, being a big Hillary Clinton supporter, saying he identifies more with the Democrats, being pro-abortion, supporting a pathway to citizenship. I mean, what Trump are we going to get? Well, and that's the key to it. That's the reason I can't personally support him. But why are so many people? There's a lot of people that have issues or wouldn't support a candidate for the things that Skip just mentioned, but they still like Donald Trump. So what is it about him? Well, I'll tell you what I like about him. Number one, that he's not beholden to him because the rich guy, he doesn't have to worry so much about making a bunch of cash. But the biggest thing is he says it like he feels it. He just speaks his mind. You may not agree with it, but at least he throws it out there. Unlike the rest of these candidates who are all political, have to craft a message a certain way. They make sure they have people that come to them and say, say this word, not that word. We've focus grouped this word and that phrase and this. I, I don't want that. And I don't think the American people want that. It's a bit of the man of the people. I think people are tired of politics. People are tired of, of the political system, of seeing people who are just talking points. And Trump is coming out, and while he's... He's pissing some people off. At least he's speaking from the heart, or at least it appears so. Well, and I like the idea that he's disrupting the narrative. It's the same old, same old normally. I mean, this is the same pomp and circumstance we do every couple of years, right? We bring these people out. We put a bunch of them on stage. We get behind it, whatever. And look at what you've gotten for presidents for decades now. It's the same type of people. It's either progressive or progressive light. That's it. That's what you have going for you. Well, I, for one, have had enough of it. So in that regard... I'd like to see Donald. I'd like to see him shake it up a bit. I think another real big benefit to a uh, potential possible Donald Trump presidency is think about how much fun it's going to be to, to imitate the president for four years. What do you mean? I, I was like, hey, I'm President Trump, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. God bless America and God bless you. The State of the Union this year, I'd like to say a couple of quick things. We're renaming the White House the Trump House. And a few more things about me, because I'm Trump. I think it'd be fun, personally. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's a good name. point. Yeah, I mean, if we can't have Jeff Goldblum, oh, oh, wait, 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 Jeff Goldblum, president. I mean, just for the impersonations, you know, being Throw able your to hand do that. Ring, Jeff, come on. Um, yeah, so in that regard, I'm really happy to see Donald out there. And I love this, maybe most of all, what I love about Donald Trump. And again, I'm not even a supporter. But what I love about him is that he's given fits to some of these establishment characters. Some of the D.C. people that I hate, like the John McCains, hate John McCain, hate Lindsey Graham. You may know him as Senator Muffin Cumberpatch. <laughs> Hate these guys, and he is driving them up the wall. And one thing I love about this, too, is that Trump's been leading in the polls this time. And when he's leading in the polls, all of a sudden, all these other candidates, Rick Santor and Mike Huckabee, oh, he needs to step out, aghast, and he said, no, this is horrible. <laughs> of course they want him to step out. He's in the lead. That's like breaking news. Bernie Sanders calls for Hillary Clinton to withdraw from the election. <laughs> right, I know. That he's was in the, the lead. Why the hell would he withdraw? That was the best from Rick Perry. Rick Dude. Perry calls for him not to drop and out of the election. And he comes out and he's serious, like, you know, it's time, like, this is ridiculous. These are, these are not the views of the GOP. Well, 
Apparently, it's a, they more identify the views of the GOP than you are, based off polling. All right, here's so so here's how it uh, looks like it's going to shape up uh, as we head into the uh, the first debate, and that would be in Cleveland uh, a week from Thursday. Uh, the reason in Cleveland, the first one, because the uh, GOP convention will be in Cleveland July 18th, 2016. So that's where we're going to be the first debate. So you have um, the, the first eight are pretty set. We've talked about some of those. Then you have uh, John Kasich and Rick Perry, Carly Fiorina and uh, Rick Santorum, along with Bobby Jindal, all separated by 1.5 percentage points. And this according to the RCP national average uh, at the end of last week. Christie is uh, in ninth and tenth place. And, uh, he's just in ninth place. He, he doesn't actually occupy two places, Doc. I'm not sure. I think he's in. No, I mean, places. I mean physically, but on the pole. <laughs> oh, okay. It's not exactly. like in golf when you're like uh, two people are tied for first, someone is third. You know. Chris Christie takes uh, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth yes, place, exactly. something like that. Um, so he'll probably end up making it in because he still have a space to give, even if you know, right at the end, you have. He doesn't have a space to give. It's <laughs> a bit poor choice of words. Uh, he has some space uh, before yeah. some other people would unseat him. Uh, but if somebody does make a good showing, maybe they could end up in there. Uh, Ted Cruz looks like he's going to be in eighth spot. That's good. I do want to hear from Ted. The, the thing about Ted Cruz, he's in one of my uh, top couple of places of people that I'm interested in hearing more about that I haven't ruled out yet. I've got Ted Cruz, Carly Fiorina, Rand Paul, and uh, Jim Gilmore, who's not even on anybody's radar screen at this point, that I'd like to see in the debates that I'm that I haven't ruled out yet. I need to vet him more. Gilmore being the former governor of Virginia. Former governor of Virginia, exactly. He announced uh, that he would be announcing. <laughs> See, and I... I know. I'm sorry if I... That's the problem. That's I have a problem, problem with, with that. But, um, I mean, everybody does that. I mean, I can't hold him responsible right. or throw him out for that, but it's just ridiculous. The political charade that we've... Be <laughs> but it's good. At least, uh, at least I'm going to get to hear from Ted Cruz yeah. in this or whatever, because I was worried. I mean, Ted Cruz isn't on a whole lot of people's radar screen, and unlike Jeb Bush and some of these other people... We really have not heard that much about about Ted Cruz. That's I mean, right. right? I mean, this which, is, and he has flirted, which I think is mm -hmm. actually a good thing for him. I think that's going to bode well for him too, especially as there's been a candidate like Trump who's been uh, 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 shaking and making making bigger waves too. He's he's probably made Cruz seem more reasonable to those who think he's extreme. Here's an interesting thought: one of the people benefiting most from Ted Cruz going crazy. I mean, uh, from Donald Trump going crazy is Ted Cruz. Yeah. Because Ted Cruz is the favorite whipping boy of anybody on the left, like MSNBC. They just go crazy on Ted Cruz, which is amazing because Ted Cruz hasn't been around that long to do that much or say that many troubling things. They just know what he really believes. And they've been, they've been filleting the guy for a couple of years because they know he has a pretty good shot. Um, he's Hispanic. He, you know, for all the identity politics laying people, he uh, speaks softly but passionately. He's not the big lofty rhetoric that people like President Obama have done for years and people are kind of sick of. So they know he has a real shot at doing this thing. So they've been taking him down for years. But because Donald Trump is seemingly so crazy to people on the left, they, they, they're not focusing on Ted Cruz. They're like, look at how crazy Donald T Trump is. So Ted Cruz can just kind of ride his... Well, and I, th I think Hillary Clinton is even benefiting from a bit of that with Bernie Sanders, too. Bernie being the extreme, I mean, socialist, makes Hillary Clinton seem a little more reasonable. Right, exactly. And, you know, who knows? Maybe that's by design. There's some conspiracy theorists out there that would lead you to believe that, hey, maybe that's part yeah. of the plan. Um, and too, I mean, Rand Paul, too, um, one of the candidates who I want to support more, but I have some major problems with. He says a lot of things right, but he's done a lot of things wrong. <clears throat> some things wrong. Some things I have serious problems with that he, he doesn't want to address. No, exactly, because Rand Paul, a couple of years ago, decided he was running for president. There's no, there's no question about this. And he started getting his people together, and they started crafting a message 
of who Rand Paul is and was a couple of years ago. And that's fine. You've got to say, this is what our candidate does, promote the good stuff, this is what they know. That's wonderful. The problem with it is they started playing the politics thing. They started not saying certain things. They wouldn't let him say certain things instead of letting his freak flag fly and saying, this is what I believe and this is what we're Which going Ted to do. Which Ted Cruz has done. Ted yeah. Cruz is not afraid to do that. Uh, Skip and I had a situation where we were going to interview Rand Paul on our morning radio show. And uh, we get a call from uh, his people the night before going, uh, yeah, what are you guys going to talk to him about? We need, we need some questions. We need a list of questions. <laughs> it was like, Skip, I don't, I don't do lists of questions when I interview people. I mean, I'll give you some general topics that I may want to cover, but you either come on knowing that I'm going to ask you stuff, and it may be tough for you, or I'm not interested in doing the interview. Why, why would I be interested in doing an interview when you're going to control the narrative? Tell you what, pay me for a commercial. If, if you're not going to let me ask what I want, you should be advertising on the show because you're controlling the narrative. Give me money to advertise. That's what we do here. Well, we need a list of questions or he can't do it. Skip, what did I say to him? said, well, no, we won't do the interview then. We're not going to do it. So we turned down the interview. We, <clears throat> we did not have one officially set, slated schedule, but we were in the negotiations. It was going to be set. Um, but, yeah, when they found out that we were unwilling to provide a list of questions and even ask general-type topics, there were some things that we were not allowed to ask. That is, a, that is a problem for us. They started contacting other people we know when we started telling the story on the air the next day. And they're like, uh, wait, 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 wait. What, why are they talking about this stuff? What? Because they were so concerned with controlling this image of Rand Paul. Instead of just saying, go on the show and answer questions. Skip and I were generally, from what we knew at that point, Rand Paul fans. He would be one of the top couple of people he, we were he interested in. He would be my in. number one, if not for this incident. Right, exactly. So we're not people that are going to be grilling him on, you know, Aqua Buddha and stuff from his college days. Okay, I did have an Aqua Buddha question. <laughs> right? This is not MSNBC who's out to get him. In fact, we're already thinking we like him. We're still going to ask him some tough questions. If you can't come on with us in that situation, how You're the done. hell do you expect to go on the campaign trail and actually take difficult questions unless their plan is he will never get difficult questions? That's not who I'm looking for. Even if I agree with the ideas, that's not what I want from a president. No. That's not what I want from a candidate. Come in, tell me what you believe, tell me your thoughts, tell me your ideas. Sorry, can't handle it. All right, uh, as far as the, uh, the polls go with um, Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders now, this is really interesting. In uh, New Hampshire, prior to Donald Trump going after John McCain, because so many people were oh, offended, you can't talk about John McCain because he was in the service. Nobody respects the military and people who serve more than I do because I'm soft and weak and spongy and didn't serve. I have a family of people who served, and I'm the weak one. So I certainly respect them, and I respect what John McCain did. However, that does not give him a pass to be a dirtbag for the rest of his life and screw America over every other day, which is essentially what he's done for the last 30 years. So he serves honorably for some years and then gets out and ever since has done what he can to line his own pockets and screw America. So now, does that five years that he spent in a Vietnamese prison camp give him carte blanche to do whatever no. he wants and be a dirtbag? No, you have to take a look at the, at the, the total of what a person has done over his life. Yes, serving in the military was, was amazing, being a POW, uh, uh, protecting our country. But you've been ripping our country apart for the previous, the next 30 years. Well, and it's, it's like this. So yeah, if you want to look at the whole, if you want to judge a man, you look at, the entire thing. You look at the whole of his work. John McCain, some good years of service, a whole lot screwing America, right? Like this. 
But each incident, each issue has to be looked upon as separate issues, too. For example, when it came to Daniel Enoway, the former senator from uh, Hawaii, this is a guy who, wow, what a powerful, powerful life. He was in Hawaii, Japanese-American, raised in Hawaii, when Hara and, and was there at 16, 17, something like this, when Pearl Harbor was attacked. He actually helped bag bodies up, and then enlisted, went in the service, and was awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. It doesn't get much more impressive. Then he became a senator, and he started screwing America with his progressive ideas. And I would get called in the carpet when I would say things about Daniel Enoway not doing America. And he said, well, you know, he was awarded the Congressional Medal. Yes, you're right. That's incredibly impressive. But that also doesn't give you a pass to do wrong things. Here's how you know. Somebody's awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. Are you okay with them busting in your house tonight and uh, shooting your wife in the head or your husband in the head? What are you talking about? He was awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. Yes. And we honor him for specific things. But it does not give you a pass in the future. So a lot of people miss that. They didn't understand how that uh, should be viewed. And people said, oh, he's attacking John McCain. This is going to be bad for him. In New Hampshire, Donald Trump had a 16% approval rating prior to saying those things about John McCain. And afterwards, 18%. Wait, 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 right, that wait, was wait. Uh, actually Iowa. Yeah. Iowa. Yeah, so it's actually going up, though. Yeah, it's going up. It's going up. Hmm. It dipped a little bit in New Hampshire, but he still leads the pack in New Hampshire. So, there you go. Well, apparently, too, again, his message appears to be resonating. So people to say that he needs to be called out or thrown out of the, uh, thrown out of the race to withdraw, well, his message is resonating. He's doing something you're not. That's just ridiculous. Um, when it comes to uh, Hillary and uh, Bernie Sanders in Iowa New Hampshire, Hillary is still in the lead, but Bernie Sanders is closing the gap rapidly. And she has, um, she's had some really, really high marks. I mean, we're talking, you know, 50% shares, but there's not a whole lot of Democrats that have thrown their hat in the ring at this point. So just by virtue of the fact that there's not a lot of people there, she's going to do pretty well, right? Well, and Bernie Sanders has been heating up the Internet, too. Like, mm -hmm. early on, too, didn't you see a chance? I had seen some stuff on... Um um, on Reddit, too, um, a, a popular um, Internet uh, 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 message board site, too. And, yeah, it appears as though he is really, really engaged, hit a vein with, with young um, millennials, uh, technology-savvy type people. So, yeah, that's going to be very interesting to watch as, as Bernie Sanders could be poised to, to, to really uh, break open this election, especially as uh, more problems uh, keep facing Hillary. The only thing that may, would make this circus better is if, uh, if Joe Biden throws his hat in the ring. Because I want to see Joe Biden and Lincoln Chafee and Bernie Sanders on stage together. That would be just personal joy for me. Again, I don't want any of them, certainly not President Biden. I don't want him to become president. But to run, yeah, that's going to be, be really, really good for us. Lincoln Chafee is a nut, too. He's barely on anybody's radar screen. The people to watch for the Democrats, though, and Skip thinks that um, Bernie Sanders is going to do real well. I, I, he's think got, he, I think he has the best shot right now. I think he's going to get the Based off of everything today, I think he's the best shot he's been nominated. I think Martin O'Malley does if he can get a little more name recognition because he's more reasonable. You know, he's a reasonable guy. Um, he's still just as crazy and he's progressive, but he's, you know, more seasoned, more controlled. It's more like that. Um, but Jim Webb is somebody not to rule out either. If Jim Webb can get a little more name recognition, here's a guy that's going to claim some conservative values because... He served with President Reagan. Um, I think he was like undersecretary of Navy or something like that, but he was technically part of the Reagan administration. He's a Democrat now, and he served as a governor for Virginia. So he's done pretty well, and he's somebody who can talk a pretty good game and clean it up. Even when um, the Confederate flag thing first came out, he was somebody who came out as a Democrat and said, 
Well, you've got to understand there's a little more to the Confederate flag than just it's racist or just it's part of the South. There's a whole history to it and start explaining this. So that's somebody who's probably a little more reasonable about some of that stuff. But as soon as he said it, then people start going, what are you talking about? You're a Democrat. That thing is racist, whatever. And because he was getting ready to announce his candidacy for president, what did he do? Well, it is a racist. And then started backpedaling on the thing. But he's somebody to pay attention to as well. Lots of good stuff coming up. If you would, please follow Skip and I on the Twitter. It's at Doc Thompson Show and at Skip Lacombe. You can use the hashtag What I Learned Today. It's what we normally use through our, uh, throughout our morning radio program as well. So check that out. It's a hashtag What I Learned Today. Seems like uh, every time you turn on the news or log on to the blaze, there's something new to worry about. People everywhere are asking, what can I do to protect myself and my family? And the answer is, get prepared with My Patriot Supply. Right now, you can get a 72-hour emergency supply for only $10. Now, this deal is only available if you call 1-800-478-8061. It's My Patriot Supply. You can only bring back this price for a short time. They're only going to bring it back for a short time, so don't miss out. If you call in the next uh, 12 hours, they'll even add free shipping to your order. So get your 72-hour kit for only $10, including shipping. Got to do it today, though. 1-800-478-8061. That's 800-478-8061. Call now. It's My Patriot Supply. It's not just food. It's freedom. Are you tired of commuting to a job that makes someone else rich? Working harder than ever, but getting nowhere? With our opportunities, you can start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss, work from home, and live a happier life. Go to freedom350.com right now and change your life today. That's freedom, the number, 350.com, and start earning money as soon as next week. You be the boss. Go to freedom350.com. Hi, it's Doc and Skip in for Pat and Stu. You can join us on the Twitter. It's at Doc Thompson Show or at Skip Lacombe. You can also join us on the phone. It's 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. So uh, I want to touch a little bit on this Iran deal that we're still working on. It looks like it is a done deal. They've reached a negotiation with Iran, and it looks like President Obama is probably going to veto anything that the Congress actually came up with. I mean, they may go through this for cover. The Republicans may. We tried to stop the deal. But the way the law is right now, it's a done deal unless Congress stops it. Now, they can vote to stop it, but then the president would just veto it. And it's a done deal. And it would take a two-thirds majority to override to that To override veto, that veto, so and they're not going to get it done. Get so I expect there to be a good showing with people who want political cover to go, look, we tried to stop this deal. No, you will. I yeah. have a bunch of Jewish people in my uh, district, so I'm going to go, at, like, even a Chuck Schumer. <laughs> no, that's what he'll do. He'll, <laughs> go, he'll go, I have a bunch of Jewish people in my state, so I'm going to go out and do this. No, you're absolutely and right. And they'll half-heartedly do it. And if it does actually... You know, if it does get approved and it goes to the president's desk, then he'll just veto it and we're all set. See, that's the political theater of all this. It's just so mm -hmm. pointless. And by the way, you can thank Bob Cocker, yeah. uh, 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 Corker for that. You can, because he's the one who introduced the bill that set it up this way. So it's done unless they stop it. Thanks to Bob Corker. Anyway, uh, it looks like Iran is, how can I put this, not really on board with this deal. Oh, what do you mean? I mean, they're, they're on board with the deal from the perspective of they're going to go ahead and say they're on deal with the, to, to John Kerry and to President Obama, and we'll go ahead and get this thing done, give us that $140 billion, everything's swell. 
But the Ayatollah Khomeini keeps uh, telling his people things like, uh, it, it, I'll let you decide if you think this is the Ayatollah being on board with this deal. Things like, oh, death to America. Death to America? Death yeah, to America. That could... That yeah, what do you troubling. think? Is that... Uh, I could be, that could potentially be troubling. Yeah. Also tweeted out a bunch of things. He tweeted out, um, we welcome war. Uh, we welcome no war, nor do we initiate any war. But if any war happens, the one who will, be em who will emerge loser will be the aggressive and criminal U.S. Notice the, uh, the picture there. <laughs> who does that look like to you? It looks like a guy in a suit. Why, Skip? Um, anything about him that looks... Uh, He's got a flag pin on his lapel, okay. so likely um, in government. Okay, uh, kind of a power tie. Okay, it could be somebody in government. Black toned. It's the president, man! What are you talking Where do you get the president out of Dude, that? Dude, it's clearly supposed to be a... The, How is it supposed to be the president? It looks like the president. Because it's black? It's a silhouette. Well, you went there, not me. I'm just wow. saying, what, okay, then what wow, is it? Wow, dog. You know what? I'll, I'll give you a chance to I'm clean talking it up. about his build. Okay, his build. You can only see his right arm. That's all you need. And half his head. That's all you need. That's uh, all you, you need. You, you can tell black. that. Wow. Okay, then tell wow. me what it is about it that makes you think it's the president. It's, it's about his build, you know, with the, with the neckline, <laughs> the arm line. Uh, shoulders aren't slightly smaller than his wife's. I don't know. I... <laughs> what? I it's looks, his build. I think he looks kind you of short. You go straight in the to the race thing. I've transcended race. I don't know. Okay. All right. Very good. I understand what you're saying there. Now, Skip Lacombe has an interesting theory about why the negotiations with Iran have happened the way they have, the way they've rolled out this way. Because if you've noticed, there's just something not right with this whole thing. I mean, why now? Why are we making the deal this way? Why have we given them $140 billion? What have we gotten? Some assurances? Those are the same assurances we got in North Korea and other places that never ended up panning out, and they ended up with a nuclear bomb. So why now? Why this way? Skip Lacombe, your thought. I have a theory. Yes, I, what is it? I think that Iran already has a nuclear weapon. You think they already have a nuclear weapon. And what are you basing this theory on? How otherwise would they be negotiating from such a position of power? I mean... If actually, there, if sanctions were working in this deal, why would we all of a sudden want to work out a deal? I mean, sanctions were working. We were trying to stop their nuclear mm -hmm. program. Then all of a sudden, we're going to give them $140 billion and allow them to continue to enrich uranium? Now, if they actually did have a nuclear weapon, of course they couldn't, the administration couldn't just come out and tell us, well, yeah, they do have a nuclear weapon, because we'd go, we'd go bugging us. We would require something to happen. But yeah, no, the American people would demand action, go in and get that weapon. Yeah, they are negotiating for the position of power. Um, uh, they've been close to a nuclear weapon for more than a decade, so much so that both of our past two presidents mm. have had to come out in, in the Rose Garden from the Oval Office and tell us about how Iran is close to a nuclear weapon. That's been for over a decade. Yeah, you're right. That's a great point. For, what, 10 years at least, we have heard Iran's Probably real close like to a nuclear weapon. I mean, sometimes they gave us an estimate of they're 18 months away, they're two years away, they're four months away. But those, that was years ago. We were two years away 10 years ago. Um, and what happened? What slowed them down? Nothing. There's been nothing right. to stop them. And, 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 That's a good point. Well, and two, I mean, if, um, um, if, if they've been close for so long, I mean, why would, we, why would we give them some sort of a deal like this? It doesn't make sense. Why would we give them $140 billion? What did the U.S. get out of this deal? So I mean, the assurances that they're not going to do it? No, I think that they're negotiating from position of power because they already have a nuclear weapon. It's an interesting thought because if, let's say for a moment, Skip's right, that they do have a nuclear weapon versus what we believe now or what they're telling us, they don't have a nuclear weapon. Would anything change between those two deals, the, the, the deal that they put out there? Would anything change with that deal? Would it have been presented differently if they actually had one versus they don't? 
Not necessarily. Nothing would have to change. They could say the same thing, and they would offer the same deal. We're going to give you $150 billion, and we're going to go ahead and inspect. That's just what they're telling us, and we know there's secret parts to it. So, again, imagine for a moment the two scenarios. They do have a nuclear weapon. They don't have a nuclear weapon. And the story that we've been told and the deal that they've worked out. What would change between that? In fact, it's more likely, it makes more sense to me, that they would have a nuclear weapon and we would have done this deal because we're like, okay, well, at least give them 150 that's, million, maybe they won't the blow thing. us up. We're buying their time. We're buying time from them. They're saying, hey, look, and this is what we could do too. That's why they also have uh, the ICBMs, the intercalactic ballistic missiles, uh, tied to this deal as well. They're obviously negotiating position of power. Even the Democrats have been banging their head against the wall, trying to figure out why this deal is happening. The only thing that makes any sense is that they already have a nuke. Well, and when you heard their rhetoric from John Kerry and President Obama where he said, listen, we've got to do this because, yes, the sanctions were working. However, the countries that were part of the sanctions have said, we're losing money on this and we need to get rid of those things. That they were all, that's, that was their argument. When it comes to imports and exports, they were all losing money, so we've got to, we've got to do this now because this, this col uh, collection of countries is going to break up. We're not going to be able to keep them together. Okay, well, the sanctions were working. Why wouldn't you be able to keep them together, right? Okay, but then they also told us if Iran violates any portion of this, those sanctions could snap back in place immediately. Well, well wait a minute. If they could snap back in place immediately then your coalition wasn't breaking up. Well, they keep using this word immediate, too. Like, in terms of inspections, too, under this deal, too, we have to go ahead and spit, inform that we can go ahead and go there. Now, they have 30 days to respond to that, whether or not they're going to allow, or 10 days it's, to... It's, yeah, it's... It's, um, it's 10 days to respond, and then they have 30 days to appeal. So it's, right, like, exactly. it's, it's up to 40 days to actually go ahead and get the nuclear material out of there before we'll be forced to go in there. Right, they keep saying, no, no, there's complete inspections, and we've got inspectors that are in Iran. They're going to be right there, and they can have instant access to even the most sensitive of areas where it comes to the, the nuclear enrichment program. But they have to give them 10 days' notice before they'll let them in. Iran could keep them out and say, well, you give these 10 days' notice. Okay, here's your 10 days' notice. Now we wait 10 days, and then at that point, when 10 days are up, they can say, yeah, we're not going to let you in. And then at that point, we have, I think, 30 days to respond. And we go to the U.N., there's a U.N. council. Yeah, that's what I mean. A group yeah. of like three people yeah, the whole thing. decide what to happen, and they have like 30 days to respond to that. Right, so what you're talking about is months before anything would be done. Now, what could they do if they actually had a nuclear weapon? We're getting real close to this. We're real close to developing the nuclear weapon. We, we're going to go in and check this out because we've heard they're close. That gives them another 45, 60 days to do whatever they want with it. So, why the deal now? Skip's point makes the a lot of sense. The only thing that makes sense is we already are seeing a nuclear Iran. One final thought on Iran, too. If it really is about nuclear energy, why is Iran so interested in nuclear energy? They are one of the leading energy countries on the planet. They are an energy superpower. I mean, aside from the oil that you know about, they have natural gas. Plus, they're in the desert with a lot of sunshine. Plus, high winds. They've got solar. They've got wind, natural gas, and oil. They are an energy superpower without nuclear. Why do they want nuclear? It makes no sense unless they want to use it to hide this nuclear program. Skip had a great point. For $150 billion that we're giving them, couldn't we have just built them nuclear plants and said, tell you what, Iran, what we'll do is we'll give you $50 billion and we'll use that $50 billion to build 10 nuclear power plants and we will run them giving all of the energy to you.
That way you don't have to touch the nuclear side of it, any of the material. We know it's safe. You get all of the energy. But Why haven't we stated, done that? You get your stated goal of nuclear power. Complete, we're, I mean, full-fledged. All, all the nuclear energy you can get. Why would you not take that deal? Because that was offered on the table. That was right. part of the deal originally. They didn't want it. Yep. Yeah, it seems pretty sketchy to me. All right, we'll get some of your calls and tweets coming up on this, the Pat and Stu program. Doc Thompson, Skip Lacombe, pitch hitting for Pat and Stu today. We'll be with you uh, today, obviously, tomorrow, Wednesday, and then we'll be in uh, for Glenn Beck on his national radio show on Thursday and Friday. Moving along to uh, Martin O'Malley now. We talked about him as a presidential contender, the former governor of Maryland. Martin O'Malley is, um, like I said, seemingly somebody that comes across very reasonable. Martin O'Malley is just as progressive as the other nuts out there on the, uh, the Democrat side that's running for office right now, running for the presidency. He said just recently that citizenship, American citizenship, is a human right. A human right. Well, he said citizenship is, and we were talking specifically about American citizenship. I'd love to get a clarification. So, Mr. O'Malley, you're welcome on this program, our morning radio program. Please give us a clarification. Is citizenship anywhere you want an, uh, a human right? Or is it just American citizenship? That's what I'm unclear about. I, I, I'm assuming he means American citizenship, <clears throat> citizenship since we're talking about America. Does that also mean then he's wanting to welcome a new six and a half billion Americans? I, I guess so. I'm I just mean, looking I mean, if for it's the a human right, if, if, if being human gives you that right, I mean, that's the definition of that, then yes, he's saying that he needs, wants to grant American citizenship to every person on the planet Earth. That's if they want it. If they want yeah, it. As long as they, I mean, I mean, I guess they'd have to stand up and say, I want this, right? I mean, I understand, like, the whole uh, wanting to deal with the illegal situation. That's a bit extreme, though. Just give it to everybody on the planet, no matter what you call that. You know, if we just make everybody Americans, that we don't have to worry about That would solve the immigration illegals. problem. True or false? Confirmed or not? <laughs> that would solve what? the immigration problem. Well, so. which problem? It wouldn't solve all the crime. No. It wouldn't no. solve all those issues, but it would solve the argument over who's illegal and not, right? I mean, because finally they'd be citizens. And that would keep the next... Uh, wave of amnesty that they pushed 20 years down the road from coming. What I'm coming. saying is the same thing we dealt with, we uh, talked about with, with Ronald Reagan. We're going to come back with uh, this, the same type of problem like we are today. It's the same argument. No. Just make them all American citizenship. That's or does the, Martin O'Malley mean that um, anywhere that you want to be a citizen, you ought to just be able to show up and say, hey, I'm here. You show up in Liechtenstein, you go, hey, I'm Liechtensteinian, right? We're all Liechtensteinian now, right? Is that it? You show up in Russia, hey, I'm Russian. Is that the human right he's talking about? I'm not sure, but we welcome him. Please clarify. Martin O'Malley was speaking after a group of illegals. These are, well, we're assuming that, well, we don't know if they're illegal. That's the problem. Their illegal parents applied for a birth certificate for them in Texas. And Texas refused the birth certificate because the parents were unable to provide proper documentation that they are American citizens, that they were born in America. So they said, we can't give you a birth certificate from America that you were born here if we don't have documentation. See, there's documentation, like when my son was born last year, 
He's born in a hospital in Dayton. The doctors are there. They sign the forms. Yes, he's uh, born to these, this couple, and there it is. Then you start the forms to get your birth certificate. That's how it works. These are people who said, we got kids that are born in America, and they're like, okay, great, where's the documentation? I don't know. I don't know why they can't pro provide it. I don't know if they're claiming that the kids were born at home, you know, born in a back room, if they're saying the kids were born at a hospital, but uh, I don't know, we lost the, 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 the information. I don't know what they're claiming, but Texas won't give them a birth certificate, and they have now, they're now suing on this. And because of this, Martin O'Malley steps up and says, this is outrageous. Citizenship is a human right. Well, yeah, he even called it, he said, uh, uh, on the issue two, denying birth certificates to U.S. <laughs> citizens is not only is outrageous, it's unconstitutional. And he's right, denying birth certificates to U.S. citizens. We cannot prove that these are U.S. citizens, though. So I don't see what the big problem is. Well, and he's, and he's doing what they're all doing. They're trying to blur the line between citizen and non-citizen, legal and illegal immigrant. Listen, if you are not providing a, a birth certificate to an American citizen, somebody born here, Skip and I will march with you tomorrow. We'll march with you to D.C., bang on the doors and say, get this person a certificate. Of course they have to give it to them. That's something I'm very passionate about. If you want to stop immigration in America, absolutely I'll stand up with you and say this is wrong. My wife is an immigrant. My mother-in-law is an immigrant. I understand this stuff. But they're legal immigrants. Martin O'Malley is doing what he does, doing what progressives do, and blurring that line between illegal and legal. Immigrants, citizen and non-citizen. I would also ask Martin O'Malley, then, what's the purpose of borders? Why should we have borders? This is something to ask all of the candidates when they start this nonsense about illegal and legal. Do you support open borders, then? I mean... The erasing Truly of borders, borders yeah. not just open where you can migrate from one place to another with a checkpoint and you want to make sure people are there. I mean, just get rid of the borders. Just, you know, no guards at the border. Just come and go as you want. There's no ice. There's no uh, immigration. You go through the airport when you land at JFK from another country. Yeah, just go ahead in. Is that what you favor? Because that's really what we're talking about here. Well, you I have not solved the problems of immigration. All of the ones you know so well, they haven't solved them. All it is is nonsense like this because he's running for president, because he knows he can gin up a lot of people who go, you're right, how dare Texas do that? Those people that support Ted Cruz, how dare they? You're right, this is a citizen, uh, this uh, is a human right. Well, I think that most people can generally agree that they would not favor an open border where people could just come and go as they please in the scenario you described. So that says that there is a area in which we should secure the border. It's just a debate about where that is. I don't think anybody would really truly want a system of that where, oh, just please come and go. I mean, the crazy extreme progressives like Bernie Sanders potentially. But no, I think we could all agree that there should be some semblance of border security. So why then, why can we not get that done in Washington? Because they want to tie them together. Because as much as the president has been brilliant at blaming the Republicans and everybody on the right for not getting comprehensive immigration it's a, it's reform. It's the Democrats' fault for holding it up to the Republicans. Well, right, it is. But actually, it's more theirs. Because we could have probably 90-some percent of comprehensive immigration reform done if they did it separately. If they said, here is a border security bill. Let's pass this and let's get it done. They could get this done, depending upon what's in it, and probably do it in a week and a half. Listen, the Republicans want to spend money on this stuff. They believe in secure borders. They've all got friends that work for the defense contractors. You don't think they want to go to Northrop Grumman and say, all right, we passed this bill. We're going to give you $500 billion to build us a fence with all kinds of high-techy stuff and a moat and alligators with uh, lasers on their head and stuff like this. Of course they want to do it. They want to pay back Northrop Grumman and these other defense contractors.
So they would be in it. They'd get this thing done. The Democrats would get this thing done because they also have friends that are going to get kickbacks from this deal. They could get that done within a week or so. In fact, they already have most of the components to it. Now, whether they'd implement it, that's another another story because mm -hmm. remember the fence that they were supposed to build 10 years ago and they didn't do it. Well, the implementation's been the problem with everything. Like mm -hmm. they're talking about how we need E-Verified. We have E-Verified. They don't use E-Verified. That's so been around problem. for a decade. It's not a problem the system's not existing. It's a problem of enforcement. Okay, and then what about the other parts of it? Uh, okay, we need to streamline and change legal immigration in America right now. Okay, I'll give you that. We could make it a little cheaper. My wife and mother-in-law, as I said, when they immigrated here, it ended up costing around $20,000 each over the course of their, their whole process. Because it's, it's hundreds of dollars to file some of these forms. I think one of them is like $900 by itself. And that is a problem with our immigration system, Absolutely. generally speaking. Because only rich people That's the can, thing. And, yeah. And, yeah, and it should not be a, a, that expensive to do. I mean, we should be the best and smartest and greatest of people to come here. We should weed people out in terms of getting who's going to be the best and greatest and most contributing to society. But no, it shouldn't be $900 to file certain Because that, that $900, that $20,000 over the course of 10 years or whatever, in order to do it legally, where else could that money go? If you weren't spending it on the government, which just does what? Just builds up the government more. And obviously they're not doing their job to keep out illegals, so why are you giving them your money? That $20,000 would go to the new immigrant buying a home, buying cheeseburgers, buying an automobile, setting themselves up in a new business. Any of these things, which puts money into the economy, which helps all of us out, which is what you want legal immigration for. So these new people come in, and we all benefit from this. The rising tide floats all boats. So where's that money going? just to government. It's really expensive. We can get that done probably within the next couple of weeks. They could say, we're going to go ahead and uh, make this cheaper, streamline some of it. We'll set up certain worker, guest worker programs, expand that. Okay, fine. They can get that done. Separate it from the amnesty portion of it. That's what they want. Which amendment to the Constitution would you rewrite if you could? Which one would you word differently? Is there one that stands out in your mind? They asked Richard Dreyfus this. You remember Richard Dreyfus, the actor? Who? Richard Dreyfus. I don't know him. Okay. You really, Mr. Holland's okay. Orthus? You know that movie? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Isn't that it? I don't Mr. watch those kind of movies. No. Oh, okay. I did something Holland's. he was in. Jaws, something like that. American Graffiti. Anyway. Oh yeah, I saw. They that. asked him, uh, and he's a, he's a big progressive. They said, "Which uh, amendment to the Constitution would you rewrite if you could?" Number two, Second Amendment. Of course. Now, here's the funny thing about it. He specifically mentions it not being clear enough. He says, all the other ones are really clear, laid out very simply. What do you mean it's Number not two, clear? it's kind of confusing, how Skip. It, how do you not understand shall not be infringed? Those four words make it so friggin' simple. I don't understand how progressives cannot understand the Second Amendment. Well, they do. They just, they want to use that whole first part about well-regulated militia in order to justify gun control. But we can get away with it because they were talking about well-regulated militia. They're not it, talking about... Even under that, though, how do you define well-regulated or militia? How do you define... You and I go together, we go shooting on the weekends. How is that not a well-regulated militia? Who defines that? No, the important part is shall not be infringed. The guns were available then. You know, well, no, no, no. You know how you're right about that, Skip? Because Richard Dreyfus just said all of the other amendments are quite clear. Wait a minute, what? He's a progressive. Why are you always challenging some of these then? For example, if he believes the other ones are quite clear, how come he isn't standing up for number 9 and 10? In other words, by saying all the other ones are clear, you're saying, Richard Dreyfus, that you support 9 and 10. You know what the 9th and 10th Amendments are? 
power to the states. Essentially, anything that we haven't specifically laid out in the federal for the federal government, those powers re reside with the people and the states. Right? He doesn't. Where, where is he standing up for states' rights, Rich? What are you doing there, buddy? And then, of course, just because we've said what is in the Constitution specifically is your right, doesn't mean those are your only rights. That's nine and ten for you. So how come he's not saying, wait a minute, all of this stuff that we're trying to infringe, all of these things we're trying to stop people from doing, wait a minute, that's not in the Constitution. He's not standing up for those. That's how you know, amongst other things, so that he's full of crap. So you're telling me soon Richard Dreyfus is going to do a reboot of, uh, of uh, uh, Mr. Holland's Humanities class? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Stock and skip in for Pat and Stu. Let's get some phone calls. 888-727-BECK if you want to join the program on the phone. That air conditioning was sexist. Who knew? I had no idea. All this time, I just thought it was to make us a little more comfortable inside and, you know, we could uh, conduct business. But it's sexist, Skip. Apparently, all this time, it's been I, sexist. I want to be on record saying that I don't want to do this story because this is going to frustrate me as well. But um, this has just been like a whole, like, upset Skip hour. This really has. That's what it's all been all about. Jeez. A uh, columnist for the Washington Post, Petula Dvorak has written that uh, apparently air conditioning is sexist. And she bases this on a survey she did, kind of a man on the street. She goes out and interviews people, and she's determined it's sexist because women dress seasonally and men don't as much. I mean, men, if you're, if you're in an office, you're going to wear basically the same type of thing all, all year round. You're going to wear a suit, a jacket, whatever, same types of clothes. But women dress more seasonally. So in the summertime, they'll wear lighter clothes, less clothes, Men, on the other hand, as I said, wear about the same things. And because the thermostat is set at 70 degrees, it's colder in the office, and then women freeze. So it's sexist. She said men control the thermostat in the office, and women freeze, and therefore it is sexist. Going on all across America, Skip. Okay, then why is it, why can't we just flip this entire story on its head and say it is sexist? Against the men, though. What you're trying to go to, to raise the temperature, well, they have to wear these jackets. They don't have the luxury of being able to wear a summer dress like you. But no, you and your summer dress can be comfortable. I have to be stuck in my suit and tie. You're right, it is sexist. Why don't you flip it? <laughs> well, I think I have a better argument of how you know it's not sexist. What's that? If men really can control the thermostat, why would they want it cold where women cover up in the office? Oh, my. Right. If I controlled the thermostat based on, you know. You're, you're on to something, What man. would I be doing? It'd be 107 too, in here. Women like would be sauna, in bikinis. Man. They're going, you know what? This is going to have to come off, too, because this is way too hot in be here. be like Africa hot. <laughs> right. Exactly. Seriously, If man, that were the truth. That's the point. That's a good point. And what, how do you even come up with this? What made her, she woke up in the morning going, you know what? I've got to write on uh, air conditioning. It's sexist. In fact, you know what? Let's, let's look at what else is sexist in the world as well. I'm sure there's plenty of things. These are people with nothing better to do. These are people that are saying, I've got to find a reason to be ticked off today. I gotta say, it's cold here in the studios too, so I don't know. Take, it, do it, off. That, Take it all off. Take it all off.
Doc Johnson and Skip Lacombe pinch hitting for Pat and Stu today. Thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Don't forget, you can join the program by tweeting at Doc Thompson Show or at Skip Lacombe with the hashtag What I Learned Today. We'll get some tweets coming up. And also some phone calls now. It's 888-727-BECK. 888-727-BECK. Let's go to Arizona and Gene now. Thanks for holding. How are you? Hi. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, I am really curious about something, and I would like to, for you guys to answer this question okay. as honestly as you can. How come is it when they bring in um, illegal aliens into the, com uh, into the country, the immigrants, that they are able to vote? I thought you had to be a citizen to have that honor. Yeah, I can run this down for you, Gene, um, and I appreciate the call. Thank you so more. We'll get some more coming up, 727-BECK. This is one of the thing, things that Donald Trump is actually getting right right now is immigration, and he's really just pushing this out there in the forefront again. Most Americans do not support amnesty. Most Americans do not support illegal staying. Now, they offer, they'll, they'll always say, well, most Americans support a pathway to citizenship. That's all about the way the question is worded. It's one of those little polling tricks. Pathway to citizenship, there's already a pathway to citizenship. Our current legal citizenship Our program. current legal, exactly. What they're talking about is illegals being given this special opportunity. When you explain it to people and you say, here is the process they're talking about. They say, well, they'll get in the back of the line and they'll pay a fine and they'll do all of the stuff that you've heard as part of the pathway to citizenship that they promote. Number one, why would any illegal pay a fine? Why would they go through this? They're already here. What, are they going to kick them out if they're not one of the ones that sign up? They've already proven we're not well, going to no, kick them out. it's going to be against the law, though, to not pay the fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. They're going to make that illegal. We've already found out that the only way they can determine if somebody owes a back fine, or, or they say pay back taxes, the only way they can uh, pay back taxes is if they already have a file on them having worked. Well, the IRS doesn't have a file on most of these people. And will also grant amnesty to these companies who haven't been uh, withholding taxes all of this time. Well, oftentimes, too, any file they do have on any of these illegals are with false Social Security numbers anyway, sometimes multiple times, using it, multiple cards multiple times. Yeah, exactly. So uh, the back of the line doesn't start in America. The back of the line starts in whatever country you came from. Think about that a moment. They're benefiting while being in America and have for years. That's not the back of the line. The back of the line is all of the people who didn't invade America waiting to get a visa to come here legally. That's the back of the line. When you explain all of these things, Gene, and, and lay it out there, people start going, oh, wait a minute, okay. And you explain what a pathway to citizenship actually means. Now, to your question about voting, illegals, it's supposed to be illegal for illegals, non-citizens, to get anything free and to vote. The problem is we have chipped away at that here and there. Number one, the Supreme Court has ruled for many, many years ago that any child in America, regardless of anything, citizenship, race, religion, it doesn't matter what it is, they have to be given an education, a free public education. So when your child goes, or your grandchild, or anybody else, a legal American citizen goes, and the parents signing them up for kindergarten, here we go, you're going to school, Billy, okay. Look at the forms of what they require. Did he have his shots? Do you have his birth certificate and all this? You go, yes, here's the information. But wait a minute, if they require a birth certificate, what do illegals do? In most cases, they just give a form and just says, oh, just sign here and swear that, that your child is actually... You have to affirm. Yeah, you have to they affirm. They require you to write your name and affirm the fact is true. But... So this is one of those cases where American citizens actually have to do more than non-citizens. Non-citizens actually have to present all this information. When it comes to voting... A lot of local communities have said, wait a minute, 
anybody here should be able to vote, not just citizens. Because there are legal residents here who pay taxes and are part of a community, and they say, well, wait a minute, they're paying taxes and be a part of a community. Shouldn't they be allowed to vote where these taxes go? Well, that's one of the last pieces of citizenship of what's so important about it. And the reason it's important is because you have a vested interest in this country, in this community, beyond just paying some taxes that would theoretically last a lifetime, that you are making a commitment to be part of the melting pot, to say, this is where we want to live and be. We want to be American citizens and we'll be here forever. Our family's going to be here. Like the people that came through Ellis Island. We are American citizens joining the melting pot and we have a vested interest, a passion that goes to who we are beyond just, we're paying some taxes right now. And that's the reason. Because then you're gonna vote for good policies and good people in office. But these local communities have argued, well, you're here and you pay taxes, shouldn't you be able to direct where that money goes? And I would say, no, become a citizen if you want that privilege. Well, even if you're a legal resident, you can't vote. Even if you had done it the right way, you still don't have the right to vote. So if you would paid the money to get here, are here living legally as a resident, maybe you've been naturalized yet, right. they're not going to let you vote. So why? No, 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 they would let them under this circumstances. No, 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 I'm saying under, oh, okay. under normal circumstances, right. though. But no, they are trying to go ahead and change it to be like, anyway, as long as you're here, you can vote. There are, there are already some communities that provide for this. Well, how is that going to stop somebody who's just here for a month or whatever, too? Like, say they want to come visit America for a month and say, well, it's around election time. Why don't I participate in the great American democracy system right. and vote? What, why would they be precluded from that then? Now, they're not allowed at this point, not allowed at this point, to vote in federal elections. It all has to do with local communities, cities. Um, I don't think there's any states that allow this at this point. I could be wrong. It's mainly local communities um, that say you can go ahead and vote for this stuff, for mayor, for council, for... Uh, policies, raising taxes, whatever, uh, raising the sales tax, stuff like that, more money going to the roads, different uh, ballot initiatives. You can vote on those things. But how far of a leap is it for the progressives like Obama and everybody else to say, let's go ahead and just offer it to them. Let's just go ahead and say you can do it. Why shouldn't you be able to vote for president? Well, I mean, in this global world now, in this global community, America affects everywhere, so go ahead and vote for president. Well, it's going to be those heartstrings, too, of seeing, uh, seeing um, immigrant people, I mean, starving in the streets, saying these people want to be able to control their lives as well. And, I mean, it's that same thing, like you said, shipping away, shipping away, shipping away until they get what they want. Well, if Martin O'Malley has already suggested, as we told you, that citizenship is a human right, shouldn't voting then be? I mean, by his logic, not that if I agree citizenship is, then yeah, you would naturally think, I mean, those things would be I mean, intimately tied together. These are the reasons, one of the few things out there right now that I say, yes, you go Donald Trump. Screwing with the other people, screwing with the establishment, screwing with Lindsey Graham. I probably shouldn't say screwing with Lindsey Graham. Yeah, that's going to bring up a bad connotation problem. Screwing with Lindsey Graham. Messing, Messing with Lindsey Graham. No, that's, uh, ooh, that's a... Giving him the giving business. Him the business. No, that's not going to... Speaking against Lindsey Graham, can we just say that? that Being adversarial that to Lindsey Graham. That's about the best I can do, sorry. Hey, y'all. <laughs> uh, that's one of the reasons. The other is that he has brought up this issue. Now, about the illegal issue, does Donald Trump really feel this way? He has supported a pathway to citizenship in the past, and number two, has hired illegals on his projects. Does he really feel this way, or is he using this issue to get elected? What was the out-of-nowhere issue last, uh, the midterm elections two years ago? Well, a year and a half ago. What was, what was the out-of-the-box, out-of-nowhere issue? Immigration. We had um, Dave Brad in Virginia run on primarily a campaign of the illegals have to go. We've got to do something. Amnesty will not work. And Dave Brad beat 
the sitting majority leader, the only time that has happened in the history of America. Amazing story, yeah. And again, he, he hit because, I mean, that was a topic that was important to the voters, and that was a blind spot of Eric Cantor's. So does Donald know this is going to resonate well? Is that what it is? Or does he really feel this way? Well, even so, I'm just happy he's bringing the issue up again. We'll see what he ends up doing with it. Did you know Donald Trump... Uh, <laughs> yeah. did, I was going to say Hold create. on, folks. Are we all hang sitting on, down? Hang on. I was going to say created, <laughs> but I don't know if the word, cre word created is right. Uh, allowed his name to be lent to a... Uh, took part uh, in... Took part in a Monopoly edition in 1989. I call it Trumpopoly. Was it Trumpopoly? Trumpopoly, probably. That makes sense, yeah. Donopoly, Oof. Donald... Donopoly's hmm. actually pretty good. I don't know. Well, I think we have a uh, commercial for it. Let me, let's check this out. This is Donald Trump, 1989. Everything's set for tonight, Mr. Trump. I wonder what Trump's game is this time. Trump's got a new game. Hey, Trump's got a new deal. What's your game, Donald? Trump has a new game. What is it? It's an airline. A new convention. Mr. Trump. Mr. Trump, please. My new game is Trump, the game. Trump, the game where you deal for everything you ever wanted to own. Because it's not whether you win or lose. It's whether you win. Yes. Play Trump, the game from Milton Bradley. I think you'll like it. Mr. Trump's proceeds from Trump the Game will be donated to charity. Hmm. At least donated to charity. we got to get a copy of the game. We've got to get a copy. i got to play this. Now let me ask you, how surprised are you that Donald Trump decided to name his game Trump the Game? <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about some shocking news that I would have never expected. I call it Trump. Of course, we're trying to think like Trumpopoly or Donald. Of course, this he didn't is call it Trump. That. What Trump. am I thinking? Yeah, that's really crazy. Okay, I'm going to need your help with a story here. This is a story Skip and I have touched on on our national radio program in a couple of different, uh, a couple of different ways and at a couple of different times. We are seemingly one of the few outlets that have actually talked about this story, and that is the story of Bill Cosby and the rape allegations against him. Now, I'm going to need your help with this, so feel free, 888 beck or tweet at Doc Thompson Show, because I've got to get your comments on this. Why is it that the world does not care more about Bill Cosby's rape allegations? Is it that they are not proven or substantiated yet? There's been a little substantiation now. Is it that, die, he's old, he's Bill Cosby? Is it that we like the fact that he was part of the... Jello pudding, and we know him from the childhood with the Rudy the and the kids, and I was a Dr. Huxtable. That we just like the guy? I mean, if I these allegations are even half true, these are horrible. Slipping people mickeys and doing what you want with them sexually over the course of decades? Really, really bad stuff. Horrible. Put it this way. If Ben Affleck, if the story broke today that Ben Affleck was doing this stuff, wouldn't people be... Seemingly more outraged? Well, is it I, that people don't know who he is? I don't know. I think it's a combination of things. I think, first of all, yes, I think it's part of the, well, it's Bill Cosby. You know, we love him, so they'll almost want to give him a pass with that, which that's reprehensible that we're a society that would do that to begin with. Secondly, I think that there's a, people are getting caught up with the various levels of rape. Now, now yes, it, it appears that these people were raped, but it isn't as though like he went and beat him over the head in an alley. Based off of his um, uh, disclosure of it, these women all knew they were doing. Part of one of his kind of fetishes is almost like a, a, a laying down, almost being passed out kind of thing. Again, all this according to him. So it's in the levels of rape possibly too that that's almost more maybe they weren't actually raped or they had consented at some point. At least, again, this is all according to him. Well, so but I, I feel like those po probably both go into that. Maybe it's a combination, but when the allegations first surfaced, they weren't as clear to say, well, no, they may right, have been yeah. taking part. 
And I would think today, if you said, pick somebody, Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks, rape allegation, people would go crazy, don't you think? Yeah. It's well, got to be yeah. that he's likable and old. I was trying to think of anybody else in, in society who could have a similar accusation who would be given a pass. And I don't know. I mean, I keep thinking something like, like a B. Arthur or something, you know. But oh, she's dead, but... I, I mean, oh, no, I'm sorry. Betty White is who I was thinking. Oh, about. Betty White, yeah. She's almost dead. Yeah, but but no, she is, she's that likable as well and old. Um, but yeah, why don't people care more about the Bill Cosby rape allegations? So at first, when we started talking about this uh, months ago, I said, okay, he's innocent until proven guilty. And that's the reason I didn't care more about it. I said, you're going to get allegations as a celebrity like this from time to time. There were a lot of them, and that looks suspicious. But, you know, people will be looking for a payday sometimes. They're going to try to cash in on this stuff. And I get that. But then once that disclosure was made about the, um, the deposition... From, what was that? 2004, uh, I think. Yeah, I think it was about 10 years ago, about 2004, where he seemingly let it all fly that these things happen. Why didn't more people care then? Again, still innocent until proven guilty, but why don't they carry now? I mean, just for the sensational nature of it. No, you're right. Well, yeah, I, I, and it seems like Bill has, has justified it in his mind of being that, yes, these people did consent. Even his wife has come out and said, well, yes, I, I know he had cheated all this time, and I, I didn't appreciate that, but these women all consented. I feel like that combined with, again, the, the aura that is Cosby and what he's always done and part of nostalgia and Amer uh, Americana, it's kind of added up to being a pass. And I don't know if you're going to ever find another situation like that when somebody can navigate the, navigate the needle, like thread the needle of raping 45 women and still being like America's father, you know? I, I, think, it's, I think it's that he's old and we like Bill Cosby. He, was a, he wasn't a dirty comedian. He was, everybody loved him. Everybody thought he was funny. He's an American icon. Yeah. He is truly iconic. And probably, if you look at the history of America... Probably one of the top ten most beloved people. It's hard to argue even another celebrity, too, mm -hmm. who would kind of reach that kind of stature. I mean, I mean people have Walt made more Disney. money or been more successful. Yeah, Walt Disney is one that came to mind. Well, and you know the thing with Walt Disney, though? I would say he's not even as... I mean, he's iconic in the Disney name and his success in that. But people don't know Walt Disney as well as they know Bill Cosby or knew him. Because you didn't have media the same way. His name was on a lot of stuff. You know his creations. You know his company. But they didn't know him. Whereas Bill Cosby would come out with the chair. He'd sit down and just start telling you about his family and make you laugh. I think that's the reason they don't care. I think other celebrities, the same allegations came out. People would be going absolutely well, crazy. Well, Bill Cosby's had staying power, too, of being, being relevant for, for all this time. Too. Even, I mean, taking over for uh, what Art uh, Link uh, letter from uh, the Kids Say the mm -hmm. Artist thing. You know, he's, he's uh, uh, been able to be a part of so many different things in so many different decades. There aren't very many people who wouldn't recognize the name or face or be able to say, oh, it's the pudding guy, or oh, it's the, the, <laughs> the, the, kids, uh, the, the artist things guy, or oh, it's, uh, it's Cliff Huxtable, you know? Yeah, so uh, more allegations are coming out now. Even more women are piling on. I mean, wow. It's 46. Up to, up to 46, 46 now? right now, yeah. In fact, I think Time uh, just did an article. They actually interviewed all 46 of them. Mm -hmm. their, uh, their cover on it is actually pretty, pretty stunning. With, in fact, yeah, it's a, a New Yorker, I guess, with all 46 of the women just sitting there. Yeah, it's on the cover of the Daily News as well, America's Rapist. That's I mean, that image of the 46 women right there, I think, alone is striking. And again, what's, what's so odd about this, or not odd, I guess, consistent is how consistent these girls' stories are. They're all very, very similar. And these aren't girls who had been, I mean, colluding for 20 years to bring down Bill Cosby. They age and rage from 20 to 80. And to Skip's point, yeah, the stories are virtually similar. And when, when you're... Um, 
when you're in a legal situation, when you're on a jury, if you take something to court, if you're arguing before a judge and you claim whatever it is, you claim your company was screwing you over, they had you work too many hours um, and you didn't get paid for them, whatever it is, if you claim your spouse, um, you know, your ex wasn't picking up the kids when they were supposed to, they look at consistency in stories. Unless you have a diary filled out that says, and it's documented in you know, some sort of way that goes above and beyond just your claims, they look for consistency. Witnesses as well. So if you're uh, you know, presenting witnesses at a murder trial, it's consistency of stories. Well, these women's stories are, are consistent, even when they had not spoken to one another and been interviewed independently. Well, and it makes sense to me. It appears that Bill really had his... Um well, 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 what had his had his, his uh, uh, plan down? Oh, had oh, his, okay. I had thought his, you were going somewhere else. His mo with this. down. Okay. I mean, the first one happened sixty years ago. The most recent was two thousand and eight. I mean, he's been raping women for sixty years. Certainly looks that way. All right, we'll get some of your thoughts coming up. Triple eight seven two seven Beck. Triple eight seven two seven B E C K. Why don't we care more? Maybe you don't even care, do you? Or is it just not a priority? A new study in Australia says that um, once people become parents, and i got to believe this would be true in America as well, once people become parents, they become significantly more traditional in the gender roles on how they're going to raise children, on how parents should raise the children, their, their roles as parents, man versus woman, and also their views of the world. That doesn't shock me at all. Not at all. No. When you become a parent, things change. People don't understand this. You know, they always talk about, oh, you'll, you'll feel differently when you have kids or whatever. That's absolutely true. And it's not just that, you know, magically, you know, suddenly I know what I'm doing as a parent. It's just if you are an even reasonable person and you say, okay, i got to care for this kid. i got to raise this child. Okay, i got to protect it. i got to care for it. i got to have a job. Suddenly, responsibility becomes really, really important to you that maybe it hadn't been in the past. And I'm sure I don't have kids. I have a lot of friends who have had kids, though, too. And I even see, dude, I've always enjoyed uh, children too, hanging around with them. But I would see, like, even when they're, uh, like, climbing up on stuff, too, like, if the parent isn't paying attention, I'm always like, watch, watch out, dude. Like, I, I would be a wreck when I have my kids. It's going to be when my, wrapped when my, up in bubble wrap. When my first son was born, and, you know, I, I have two, and I said, uh, Okay, I'm going to have a kid. He's uh, doing a couple of days. All right, I'm supposed to feel something, you know, lightning bolt. I, everyone says you feel differently. And I was waiting for this, this epiphany, uh -huh, right? Moment, yeah. Right. And he's born, and I had a lot of emotions, but it wasn't like, like this epiphany or anything. I was like, okay. Take him home from the hospital. This is a couple of weeks down the road. We're walking in the store, and he's in the cart, in the little car carrier thing. And we're just doing some shopping. And up at the head down the aisle a little bit, there were some kids that were screwing around in the aisle, and they were throwing stuff around, just running around. And I found myself kind of You're leaning block. <laughs> in front of the cart to block in case anything got away from them. And I was like, what the hell are you doing? Oh, okay. You're being the protector. I get it. All right. Just something natural. so simple. I think that's I mean, yeah. instinctual, like ingrained in our DNA to, to protect our 
kids, you know? Well, they are also saying in this study, though, that, and they're saying it's you've become more sexist because you've got to remember it's, you See, know. See, that's the wording of this that bothers right, me. Right, that you're becoming more sexist. Sexist is, has a negative connotation, and it doesn't necessarily. I mean, I think there should be some separation when it comes to, you know, gender identity. I mean, it doesn't mean a woman can't become president or play professional football or whatever. I don't care. Go and do that if you want to, if you can do the job. But it makes sense. I mean, for, for, for our world has always had more uh, matriarchal <coughs> and patriarchal society, too. So even if a woman is focused on her career and says, you know, I'm going to have the kid. I'll be home for three months and go back. They start getting home and they got the kid and they're, they're breastfeeding. They got this connection, all this stuff. And I could see how they're like, okay, maybe I'm, I'm changing my views. I'm altering them a bit. And I, maybe I do want to be the stay-at-home mom. Or it's, vice versa with the dad or whatever, too. It makes, put the bump on your broad shoulders. I'm going to go work and I'll work the extra, time, extra overtime to, to provide for the family. I completely see that. This goes right along with this idea of, of what is feminist. What is a feminist right now, too? Because, again, the gender identity politics is being played across the board. Skip and I, a couple of months ago, started a hashtag. I'm not taking any credit for that. You okay, started, I started this hashtag. Let's be honest. I, had I was going to offer you one. some credit. No, I don't want to. How to, to spot a feminist. It, it, it took off globally. This thing was gargantuan a couple of months ago. And still, every hour, one or two will still roll in. People still using this thing. Hashtag how to spot a feminist. Go and read them. They're, it's hilarious. And I was trying to make the point that... Um, you can, if, if you go through what some of the people are posting about it, feminists have a double, double standard with this stuff. And that was the, the whole point of it. And I wanted people to be kind of snarky with it, and they were. When it comes to this study that they did in Australia where it says that people become more sexist when you become parents and men want more traditional manly roles and women want more traditional you know, mother roles, stuff like this, the women also reported that they, even though they feel this way, that things should be more traditional, the role of the man, the role of the woman, all of that stuff, they still make a point of saying they believe that women in the workplace can still be great mothers, right? I mean, that's the basic idea. They still say that women could go out, they can make money just like a man, they could do this and still come home and be a great mother. How do, how do those two things go together? Here's the thing, and they don't, but that also doesn't surprise me with the society and the way that our, our society has gone through. And very, very selfish, very me-centric, even though their previous thoughts and convictions on it have completely changed once they get that kid home. They still think, well, even though this is all great and everything, I could still work too. Yeah, I could pull it off. I, I, it makes total sense to me. You know why? It's wrong, but I completely Well, no, I, it, it goes to, it, this is not about whether or not they really believe that stuff. They're justifying it in their own mind and to other women. Do you know how many times I hear women say, I'm a working mom? Okay, great. What's your point? Well, all this is put upon me because I've got to take care of the kid. I've got to do all this stuff or whatever, and I work whatever. I'm a working mom. And women come to the defense of other working moms. Where the hell were you for the last couple of hundred years in America when working dads were working dads? They came home, had to provide for the kids, and wanted to spend time with their kids. Oh, that was different then. Why? Why was that different? You never hear about working dads. And I don't mean dads that, you know, stay home with the kids. You'll even hear that sometimes. The dads that go to work and still want to see their kids and come home and spend time with them and be a father and raise them. You never hear about working dads. Well, I'm a working dad. i got to spend all this time at work. And my time is being taken away from my children. And you're missing things that you don't get to see. Right. Their first steps, when they first turn over or whatever, throwing the ball around uh, during the day or whatever, or in the summers. This comes down to female guilt by not being there. Now, I understand the realities of America today. 
that most of the time we need two salaries. I mean, most of us, husband and wife, both got to work. If you want to provide the necessities and maybe put a couple of bucks away for college or something, you got to work. I get it. I'm not saying you shouldn't work. But either go to work as a woman and say, this is what I'm doing, and believe in it, and quit your bitching, and quit your whining, and looking for sympathy from other women, or stay home with them. Decide. But stop saying, I'm a working mom, and I need your sympathy. I want to play the victim here. No. Either go and earn the money, because that's your choice, and shut the hell up, or stay home. Well, and there's no shame in being a stay-at-home no. mom, too. I feel like so many of these women feel, too, they, they, lose, they feel as though they're going to lose their self-worth if they're just a stay-at-home mom because of our whole society and the, the Nazi, uh, neo-feminist type society. is like, you have to do all this, too. Well, what if you just want to be a stay-at-home mom? So those feminists who are all about women's equality and rights are actually making the other women who maybe they do just want to stay at home and, 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 and be a mother. There's nothing wrong in that. People say, like, oh, well, it's a, a full-time job, too. Damn right, it's a full-time job. I'm right. I, there is nothing wrong with staying home. Stay home. In fact, I have a lot of respect for people that do. Couples, by the way, that don't make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and say we've decided that one of us is going to stay home. Maybe even maybe homeschool. It could be the, you know, right? It could be the mom or the dad. But in this case, as we're talking about women, the mom says, "Listen, I'm going to stay home, and we're going to do it less because I want to be there for my kids." I have a lot of respect for you, and we know that's not an easy job. Absolutely, you start you start going crazy your home all day with the kids. And again, it's extra this. pressure on the man too. I mean, if, absolutely. If the man loses his job or something too, that's not easy. Easy to deal with. But on the other side, if a woman says, I'm going to go home, or I'm going to go to work every day and try to, you know, balance this, work life, kids, whatever, I have a respect for you too. That's not easy. You're going to miss your kids in that. What I'm saying is, live with your decision. You've made your choice. Quit bitching and playing the victim on this thing. I know it's not easy. It's not easy either way. It's not easy for anybody, and it's not easy for men. But know this. When these women on this study have said, well, you can still have both and be a great one. I'm not saying you can't, you can't go to work and still be a good mom. You can. My mom works. Good mom. Don't, don't let me be the, you know, the barometer of whether or not she's a good mom. <laughs> Use my siblings. You know, there's always one that gets away. One out of five, pretty good odds. You know what I mean? 80%. She's still doing pretty well. Yeah. You can still work and be a great mom, but... You are simply not going to put in as much time with your kids if you are drawn to work. If you are the full-time mom, stay at home, the kids get pretty much your undivided attention. You're splitting it up if you're going to work. Now, again, it could still be great. You can still do this stuff. But don't give me this nonsense of, oh, I'm just as good, I'm going to work or whatever. You're justifying it to yourself because you feel guilty. Stop feeling guilty, women. Make your choice. I mean, that's really what so much of this comes down to with feminists in general. Feeling guilty, letting other women. How many times have you seen women, and women, maybe you do this. You're, well, let me call my girlfriends and see how they did it and whatever. And, each other you know, down. Susan said that, you know, when, when she went to work, this happened. And maybe, knock it off. You're tearing each other down they instead do. of building each they other really up. Do. Guys generally do not do that. We honestly don't. Is it dealing with friends? Well, but here's the, like, like, we would do, like, you'd come in, it's like, oh, what's up, uh, uh, fat guy or whatever, oh, you gained some weight. But it's not in that uh, mean, like, sort no, of. No, guys give each other the business, yeah, but that's but, like, different. Like, women seem to, like, get really, like, specific and uh, because like, get women, to the heart of things, you women know? Women are in competition like, with each hurt. other. That's why. They are in competition with each other. They really are. Like, when I'm busting your chops, it's not in any way to try to, like, bring you pain no. and make you feel bad about yourself. It's me making a joke, making myself laugh. In fact, it's, it's just the opposite. Normally, um, Guys get together, you're talking about sports, politics, whatever. Guys do not sit around and go, well, here's what's going on in my life. But guys will talk about things that matter to them, things that are important at times. But it's usually like this. 
Skip, I, uh, you know, we'll be talking about something else. Skip will say something about, hey, how's your, how's your sister doing or something like that. And I'll go, oh, man, uh, she's not doing well. She's really, really sick. They, uh, they say he's probably going to end up dying soon or whatever. Oh, wow, that's horrible. Right, and that's what guys do. They're like, wow, it's horrible. You know, is there any way I can help out? You know, I've gone through stuff like that. They offer each other a little bit of support, and then they move on. That's what it is. And I don't see that so much from women. Sorry, women. I know there's exceptions to it. Some of you women are doing it, but it's usually about tearing each other down. By the way, is this shirt okay on me, you think, today? This one work? Perhaps we just take a break. I was just, I was just want to make sure. I want to look okay for the show. Stock and skip in for patents, too. consistency you've got to be consistent if you're not consistent you don't call out the people that you normally back support parties whatever i have no use for you as you've long gotta, as you do it most of the time though right no you've got to be consistent means all the time you got to call these people out which is what skip and i try to do it doesn't matter if we like you as a politician you're a friend of ours we're going to call you out if you're screwing this stuff up president obama is in africa right now he went to kenya to talk about entrepreneurship and what he can do to help build Kenya. <laughs> Just, I got a, the I jokes got, are really going to... Yeah, I, go ahead, Doc. I got a question. Doc Thompson, uh, Doc Thompson, Thompson uh, Blaze TV uh, here. Yeah. Question. Why wouldn't the president be here talking about entrepreneurs? Uh, he's president of the United States still, right? Still, right? Did I miss something? I he is, think, he's a president of Kenya now, right? Why is he so concerned with, with Kenya? How does that help America? I don't know if he knows this or not, but there's a lot of people out of work and a lot of businesses that are hurting. I Inflation, see, expenses, government regulations. I can see the president like getting like the word finally. He's like, uh, sir, you realize that Kenya is not a territory of America. What's that? What? Like, what? Oh, it's like, oh, these birthers may have something. Like that. <laughs> uh, I thought we were a uh, territory. Uh, oh. No. Vote for uh, statehood. Wait a minute. He's spending $7 million to talk about entrepreneurship in Kenya. That's what it's costing us to fly around to do this stuff. Not to mention the huge carbon footprint created. It's all crap. It's all BS. Where's the consistency? On one hand, you have President Obama saying, we got to be green. we got to cut our carbon footprints. I'll fly all over the place. See, this is the thing you have to fly, do. And if I want to fly multiple planes all over the oh, place, Oh, multiple too. planes. It's not just Air Force One. There are multiple planes that go in that convoy. People, I mean, talking a gargantuan carbon footprint. This is the thing about progressives you have to remember. If you juxtapose their different values, ideas, just take some random ones and put them next to each other, it doesn't work. On one hand, we got to go to Africa and tell them about entrepreneurship and whatever. Bing. you got to be green and cut your carbon footprint. Bing. Mm, no, those don't fit together. Sorry about that. Right? He's got, he wants money to be spent on all kinds of stuff, right? He's got all kinds of places he wants to put money. He's got to get those Republicans to start spending money and allocating to that stuff. Okay, good, you want to spend money. But you're wasting $7 million to fly to Africa. How about priorities there? When you juxtapose their ideas and values, they often are in conflict. Now, we have spent $200,000 on a study 
to find out how men look at women when they drink. When the men drink or when the women drink? When the men drink. Yeah, $200,000. Let me help you out. Here's how men normally look at women. Like a hungry wolf. Mm. Right? Okay, now do, how do men look at women when drunk? A little slant. Oh, that's no, it. That's on, it. Wait, wait, do number one. When men look at women sober, now do drunk. That's it. Okay, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty accurate. I mean, you're just a little more sloppy with looking like a wolf. I mean, you may be distracted a little bit more by shiny stuff I mean, You're stuff always in there. a wolf, though, is what you're getting Exactly. At. We know how men look at women. They look at them like they're prey. That's what it is. We are just We are hunting them. And that, and that isn't a sexist thought, too. I mean, no. obviously, when women dress up and, I mean, do the short skirts and stuff, I mean, it's the peacocking type thing, too. I mean, you're going out trying to find a maid or whatever if you're going out. So you need to study a quarter of a million dollars for that. I interviewed a clinical biologist like 15 years ago, and she laid this out quite well. This is a female clinical biologist. It's not about politics or anything. She had a book out talking about such things, and she said, listen, Generally speaking, in the animal kingdom, and of course there are exceptions to this rule, but she says the general rule is males pursue, women get pursued, and this is the role we play. She said the birds and the bees. She said most of the time, women are like the flower. Come look at me. They smell pretty. They wear bright, flashy things. They want to be pretty pretty because they want attention for the purpose of... Being impregnated. Attracting a bee. Yeah. Attracting to be impregnated. To carry on the species. And men go out and pursue and are wooed by these pretty colors and sounds and sights and smells in order to procreate so they can continue the species. This is the general rule. Why do we have to pretend that this is a bad thing? I mean, yes, being a jerk, being mean, being aggressive... Uh, keeping a woman down, you know, at a job or whatever. Of course, that's all nonsense. But listen, if you're a woman and you don't like this little system, then tell you what, start wearing burlap sacks everywhere, okay? I mean, really close. You know what? Wear a burqa. A, bur- a burlap burqa. You wear that, and then I'll buy this stuff. Because think about this. How many times do your women go, he was looking at my chest. I was sexually harassed. Really? What were you wearing? Were you wearing a burqa when he was staring at your chest? No, you were wearing something because you wanted it. Maybe not him, but you wanted some people to look at your chest. No, exactly. And I mean, the, the whole study, too, was meant to analyze, too, how these change as men get inebriated. And I mean, I think that's fairly obvious, too, so much that we've coined a term for as long as time of beer goggles that you will likely make uh, 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 your inhibitions are less. You're likely to make more d- poor decisions while drinking or yeah, no, go no, after- poor. No poor. Make different decisions. Oh, widen your, your range. Okay, I'll say that. I'll go with that. I'm trying to speak in, uh, in code a little bit. I more. don't want to point the finger at anybody. No, stop. I'm just saying. Moving on. Yes, different decisions are made. Yes, no, and sometimes to. after the fact, you look at those decisions and you go, wow, that was a really bad decision. Like, for instance, if, say, for instance, you uh, hashtag, went to a restaurant. Like, hashtag the Pontiac. Pontiac. Well, like, hashtag Pontiac. Like, say, for instance, you went to a nice uh, family restaurant known as the Cooker. I don't know what that is, but well, I like do know cooker, where Pontiac like, is. Somewhere in Ohio, like a nice family restaurant. I don't know what the Cooker is. That doesn't sound familiar to and, uh, me. Hang out to a restaurant. But Pontiac, I know where that is. Let's say you spent some time in Pontiac is, and made is some there decisions. A, is there a Cooker drug. restaurant in Pontiac? I don't know what you're talking about. Just cooker doesn't make any sense But often you wake up and you go, wow, that was a really poor decision I made while drinking. 
but occasionally you'll make that decision while drunk and go, it's okay. <laughs> so, okay. So I just want to say it's always a poor decision. I say you're you're more open to decisions. That's, more that's free all with I'm your saying. Man. That's all something I'm saying. like that. I was trying to keep it a family show. Two hundred thousand dollars. We know how men look at women. <laughs> I mean, we know this stuff. And even so, even if this was the burning question, we had no concept on how men look at women. Is this really a priority in the world today? What is, is this what you? we need to spend money on? In today's world in America, we need $200,000 on this or we need $200,000 to go do something good for the economy. Something to help a veteran. How about that? You know what they could have done as opposed to be $200,000 on a study? Gone to a bar and watched the guys. <laughs> well, yeah. What, is, what conducts the study? That's all you need study? to do. Go to, a, uh, go to a bar at a college town me, and just watch the guys. You'll see as they start drinking more, they're going to get more amorous towards the women. I want to share with you what the study entails. It says... In, uh, in order to determine this, the University of Iowa will analyze actual eye movements of young men when they are drunk versus when they're sober. The participants will view 200 unique scenes that depict a woman who varies along sexual interests, provocativeness of dress, attractiveness, dimensions, all of these things. And then um, they will put those in men that are drunk versus men that are sober. And they'll use some, uh, some high technology to scan your eyes and all. Can't you just go... We're sitting at a bar, and um, look at that guy over there. See how he's watching this woman? Couldn't you just look at yourself? How about that? Of course, the entire study was thrown out, too. There was like a yes or no type button when all the guys were like, yes, 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 <laughs> the yes, more tricky yes, went on. yes. <laughs> Makes it a little harder to analyze the results when... It's like that, the, the one where they do the polls where the people can turn exactly. it like this or whatever. <laughs> yeah, here's guys drinking, That's what by you're the way. See. Here's guys. Just turn that thing, you set it, and you forget it. That's it. Well, and two, the study is going to be spew, uh, uh, skewed, too, if your friends are around. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. You're gonna, okay, yeah, I don't want my friends to know, but yes. Okay. Yeah, is it a blind study? That's, dude, that's what I'm saying, man. You're and probably more blind, likely, I mean, A, when drunk, B, your friends aren't around. Yeah, that's going to be I'm true. not saying, I'm just saying. I'm so tired of spending money on this nonsense. We've got so many things that we could be spending money on, things that are legitimate, like helping veterans. When you see the, how, the, the number of veterans that are not getting helped, I know this is $200,000 versus the millions, maybe even billions, billions we need to help veterans. You know what? It's still $200,000, and this stuff adds up. I'd much rather them say, here's $200,000, guy who served, lady who served, have at it. Just cut him a check. I'm serious. I want that money, first of all, to be spent wisely, and we can, you know, prioritize and stop overspending and whatever. But if you told me today, Doc, we decided we were going to spend this $200,000 on a study to determine how men look at women when they're drunk, but we decided to just give that check to a veteran. Okay, good, fine. I, I would consider that a victory. We'd infinitely, be better off versus... Infinitely better than the way... Absolutely, uh, Pissing it away on these stupid studies. Yeah, this is the National Institute of Health who is doing this, by the way. And, by the way, Skip and I are still looking for a grant writer. We have not come up with a really good grant writer, have we? Uh, no, and if you ever have any experience, though, with these grants, these long, I mean, 15-page long, uh, horribly written, I mean, not horribly, uh, 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 intricately crafted, crafted, intricately written with big words, we need them. Uh, email skip at theblaze.com. We need your help. Yeah, see, you can't just go and say, hey, government, I want a grant. As much as that guy with all the question marks on his suit will scream in front Matthew of the Capitol. Matthew Lizard, Lillard. L Matthew Lillard. No, 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 Matthew um, Lesko. Lesko. Matthew okay. Lesko, you've seen the guy late at night. He's like, the government has free money. You can get grants. And you buy his book or whatever. Yeah, you can get grants. The problem with the grants is they have to be written very specifically, and you have to know how to go about the, navigating these waters. 
And not everybody can write them. They've got to be written in government ease, not just legalese. So we're looking for somebody to write these because Skip and I have some ideas. No, we're not just looking for money. I mean, that's nice. We just think it would be fun to see if we could get a grant for the most ridiculous things as part of a little project. Would it be great to have a grant for that uh, Blase project we're working on? Oh, yeah. The Blase. Wouldn't exactly. that be awesome? That'd exactly. be big fun. Truth lives in this area. Uh, Glean Beak, uh, uh -huh. some guy that we're looking for. Uh, uh -huh. He's got to write it the right way. So if you do know a grant writer that'd be willing to help us out with this, skip at theblaze.com. Skip at theblaze.com. We tell stories of love and courage where, where we win. I don't think that's how it goes. For the blasé, yeah. No, it's our, it's our mission statement. Mm. Okay. Doc and Skip in for Pat and Stu. Back in more in just a minute. Some people think it's not true. It's true. information on some of the odd duties that Secret Service agents have had to perform over the years. Secret Service is um, pretty secretive. Oh, I don't know yeah. if you know that. Yeah. Secretive. And it's pretty fascinating for people. When you look at the Secret Service, how close they are to presidents, um, the odd history of how it came about where they track down counterfeiters and also protect the president. But there's some new information that um, Secret Service agents over the years, and you would probably expect this, have been asked to do some pretty odd duties, including when they uh, were protecting Calvin Coolidge. Uh, he made him track down a boot at one point um, during the inauguration um, for Herbert Hoover. Had to track down a boot. A boot. Now, now, who was the guy that had to track down the boot? He was like, what'd you do today? Mm -hmm. At work, honey. Oh, you know. Did you take a bullet for the president? Uh, Cal lost his, uh, his boot again. I had to go find Ooh, it. Was that some sort of techie thing, like a bomb? No, Somebody had a, his boot. Like, he, he misplaced his boot and oh, couldn't find it. Oh, oh, pretty interesting stuff. Not the only odd request from Coolidge, too. His, mm. his primary form of exercise was an electric horse. Routinely would make his Secret Service ride with him. <laughs> an electric horse. horse. I'm that? trying to, you know, I was going to say, I didn't know if this was something that I may have missed or something I didn't know, but an electric horse. Is, uh, is, this, is this like the, the mechanical No, it's, got a, it's something like is that. that. I don't, well, I, I think it's more exercise related. I don't know. Wow, these really, know. really old electric devices like this. JFK, according to a new book uh, from an author, uh, the, the author owned a, a gallery, an art gallery, said that he made the Secret Service track down and make sure his his portraits were framed properly. Is That's that odd? Yeah, um, that uh, the picture of him was in um, the gallery to have a picture of him framed. Pictures of him in unusual sexual positions with various women. Well, that sounds like JFK. He wanted though. that framed. <laughs> that sounds right about JFK, though. Yeah, but you're getting those framed. I mean, you, you gotta protect him, man. That's, uh, that's pretty odd there. Him. That's a pretty sketchy one there. Gerald Ford used to routinely blame his farts on Secret mm -hmm. Service. Would, would go walk by him, let one rip, and be like, Jeez, was oh, that okay. you? <laughs> that doesn't Now imagine that. Me. If you're there protecting the president, wow. the president comes by and then blames you for a fart. Wow, that's pretty awful. FDR, as most people know, was handicapped. And they crafted this image that he could walk because he used those... The braces, he would walk with his arms, uh -huh. and he would even ride on the side of the car or whatever. Well, he would make the, F, the, um, the, um, the Secret Service track down any of the paparazzi or people taking pictures if they showed him in a vulnerable position. 
Now, while I don't agree with that, that's a little like the government controlling this. I understand a little bit that the president, certainly during those times, you know, even leading up to and including World War II, that you want to make sure the president looks virile mm -hmm. because, you know, he's commander in chief. But that's probably taken a little bit too far. Several presidents have used the Secret Service as their wingman. Um, FDR, LBJ, GFK all confirmed uh, when their mistresses were in town, make sure the wife is at bay. And let's be honest, Clinton probably did the same thing. Yeah, you know that was part of it as well. Um, lots of things with LBJ. People don't, most people don't know this, was a pretty disgusting person. I mean, he was just dirty. He would conduct meetings while sitting on the toilet that's just off of the Oval Office. They have a little bathroom that has a door that connects to the Oval Office. And he would sit in there with the door open doing his business, smelling all, and conduct, you know, meetings. But he also had the Secret Service, when he was out and about, golf course or wherever else, stand as a shield so he could whiz. They, they, they were a shield to hide him whizzing. Incredible. Uh, a $12,000 charge appeared on one of Nixon's service details. It was apparently a fee for keeping the landscape from interfering with security. <laughs> wow. For a gardener. Wanted to make sure things were watered regularly. All right, Stock and Skip. We'll see you tomorrow morning on the Blaze Radio Network. Just go to theblaze.com slash radio. We'll be back here for Pat and Stu tomorrow on the Blaze TV. Have a great day.